be here, and I found out we were on the same Israel trip, 2018. Yeah, so small world. Well, you guys are flexible NCS. What a great group of men! I've been to a couple of NCS meetings now in Dallas. Uh, since I found out about this group, I found is there a group in Dallas, and I sat in on a couple of meetings, and I've signed up to go to Orlando, Florida. Hey, oh yeah, I saw that picture. Yeah, I saw where it said. You know, do you want to take the afternoon to go golfing? And I said, yes, sign me up. Because we were scheduled to be in Israel again with Dr. Chuck Swindoll, and that got canceled because of COVID. So my wife and I said, hey, let's go on spring break in Florida. Now, uh, this is my most recent book, a Bible study that's doing really well. It's called Christ-Centered Masculinity. And this is the fight against toxic masculinity. You've heard of that? Yeah. They say, you know, that... Some men are toxic, and that's true. You know, there's some bad guys out there. But what happens in the university settings with some of the feminists, they've now deconstructed where they say all men are toxic. You see the, you see the subtle shift? Are there some men that are toxic? Yes. Are all men toxic? No. We need to have men in our society. We need to have masculinity. And so we're talking here about Christ-centered masculinity, not toxic masculinity, but being a servant like you guys. Look, this thing was scheduled to be at the Brick House. Bam, five minutes later, here we are. I mean, you guys are flexible, you're resilient, uh, you're, you're servant leaders. Everybody here started grabbing chairs, started setting up food, started setting up sound. This is the kind of masculinity that God honors, going first, leading in a servant leader kind of way. So. Three here to give away. Number one, the oldest man here. So who is, anybody over 60? Raise your hand if you're over 60, okay? You are in the running. If you're over 65, keep your hand up, okay? If you're over 70, keep your hand up if you are able, okay? And uh, where are we at, 75? 75, we got three guys left, 80? Is anyone 80 or above? All right, Ray. All right. And he's already said he's going to be there tomorrow morning at the Hawthorne Gospel Church. Now, the youngest man in the room. Who would be? Uh, wait, the same steamboat man? You were seventy. He's just he just really he just really wants the Bible study. All right. How old are you, young man? Boom. There you go. Right there. on that with your dad and now who has got the most children who has got the most does anybody have more than one child raise your hand if you have more than one okay two does anybody have more than two kids okay anybody more than three kids all the crazy people more than three more than four. Oh, we lost everybody how are we going to do this if you have more than we well, already you already have a book so who's left with more than three or three Three. Oh, no kids. Oh, no kids. Four. Four. He's got four. He's got four. There we go, right here. Four kids. Four kids? You win a book. There you go. All right. How am I going to do this? Here you go. This is your screen. So if you can see this, have fun. If not, don't worry about it. But I'm supposed to stay on the camera as well. So uh, we'll go back and forth here. This is about uh, opportunities and threats in the marketplace. Opportunities and threats in the marketplace. You guys know what it's like out there. It's, do I go forward and take this big risk? Do I hold back and kind of save or protect? 
And what about other opportunities in the church? Should I volunteer to serve here at NCS? Should I step up and lead something? Always, as men, you're going to be called upon, you're going to be asked to do these types of events, these types of service projects. There's three guys we're going to talk about today, Tom and Sam and then Sal, okay? Tom and then Sam and then Sal. Now, who is Tom? Of course, the great Tom Landry, the coach for many, many years of the Dallas Cowboys. How many of you remember the great Tom Landry? Look at the hand. He was for 26 years, 26 years on the board of Dallas Theological Seminary. A lot of people don't know that. And very heavily involved in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And you know, in this age of coaches tubing out, coaches having character crises, they say that on every road game, on the front of the plane, seat one and one A, Tom and Alicia Landry. That was his character. Every road game, seat one. C1A, Tom and Alicia Landry. You don't see that today much in the NFL. And he said he was always able to coach his guys. I heard him say this. He was always able to be in charge, be the head coach, until <clears throat> drugs came into the NFL. And he said when drugs really began to come into the NFL, that was the time when he realized he had lost control over his team. One of his best players, Thomas Hollywood Henderson, was addicted to cocaine, and he realized he couldn't even coach him. And that's when it really began to change. But Thomas Wade Landry was from Mission, Texas, born in 1924, is that what that says? Mm -hmm. yeah. And died in the year 2000. And look at this first team. He was an expansion team, the Dallas Texans. And they later became the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, did you know that? Lamar Hunt was in Dallas, Texas, and he started uh, the Chiefs and took them to Kansas City. Now with Patrick Mahomes and trying to win Super Bowls. I'm originally from the Kansas City area, so I like the Chiefs. But look at that first year. Look at that Motley crew right there. It was an expansion team. And that very first year, they went, here it comes, 0 and 11. Oh, and 11. Now, what do you do when you go 0 and 11? Change your name to the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, okay, what up, All right, let's give it up here. Uh, Giants, anybody? New York Giants, come on, show your loyalties. Giants? Okay, anybody? Jets? Oh, well, a couple guys, okay. No, no shame in your game. Uh, any other teams around here? I know the Rangers are winning, the Rangers hockey team. I know uh, they, they won last night. Yep. Well, look, this team, Tom Landry, he's got this motley crew. In other words, these weren't NFL stars. He just got a chance at the end of the draft to pick a handful of guys and try to mold them into a team. And they go 0-11. Now, a lot of us would quit, or a lot of us would say, hey, this didn't work out, or hey, I gave it a shot, but, you know, too bad. i got to move on. Look at that, 0 and 11, but not Tom Landry. He kept going, they kept working on it, and he determined that one of the most important games of the year was that first game of the year, the first game of the year to start off strong. He dedicated himself to the preseason. He dedicated himself to going out to California and doing training camp. And there was a huge hill, and he would have all the players run up and down the hill, and he himself, Tom Landry, would also sometimes lead the charge and run up the hill. And he says he could always tell who had gotten in shape over the summer by that first hill. He made him climb up and down, running up and down. Halfway up, he'd lean over and say, hey, you look a little winded. And then he would pass some of these guys on the way up. But look at Tom Landry's opening game record. The first game of the season, he felt like, set the pace for the whole season. So the opening game, 21 and 1. Opening game of the season, 
sets the pace for the whole rest of the season. And he felt like that was one of the most important games of the whole season, his record, 21-1. and That's Tom. He took advantage of that opportunity. It could have been a threat, but he saw it as an opportunity, a team to build from scratch in Dallas, Texas. And he won two Super Bowls. Next is Sam. Do you know who Sam is? Sam was from a very small town in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. He went into the five and dime business. When? Age 44. Age 44 started his first little store. He saw that a store, little five and dime was for sale. And he said, I want to buy it. And what Sam did was he saw opportunities in the marketplace as well. What was his opportunities? Computers, IT. And he said that before this time with Sears, JCPenney's and all these, you would go in and you'd go to buy something on sale. Do you remember JCPenney's? Yeah. Do you remember Sears? Mm -hmm. You'd go in to buy something and it would be a day like this and it would be out, sold out. And what would you get? A little slip of paper, it was a rain check. You remember that? You young guys don't remember that, but it was called a rain check. Hey, come back next week. It'll Hopefully it'll be in. And Sam Walton was the first one to use computers and to track inventory. And he would get on his computers and see, wow, those fishing poles are selling like hotcakes. <laughs> Order 50 more. Look at that pair of socks is selling like crazy. Order 30 more. And the next morning, 50 more fishing poles. And guys would come in to get the fishing pole. They wouldn't get the rain check like they got at Sears or JCPenney's. A whole stack in the front of the store, fishing poles that were selling like crazy. And he was the first one to use his airplane. Yeah, his airplane. What did he do? He would go to a small town. He would fly over the town and he would see the two major highways, the, the, the traffic. And he would say, right there is where we're putting our next store. He wouldn't take two years of land surveys. He wouldn't take two years of traffic studies. He would look at a piece of property from the air and say, right there is where we're building our next store. And within six months, nine months, a year, that store was up and running. You see, Sam started Walmart. Sam Walton used computers and was one of the first ones to use the spoken wheel delivery method. He would build his warehouses and the stores would be in a wheel around like a spoke and a wheel and the warehouse would be in a strategic city and then they would plant stores that were at least a one to two hour drive away. So his 18 wheelers and trucks could restock the stores every morning where the other stores were saying, oh, our warehouses are on the West Coast or our warehouses are up in Minnesota. It'll be a week or two before we get that product. He would get the products into the stores by the next morning. He saw an opportunity. He saw something that the other stores weren't doing. And he jumped on that. And Walmart became, what does that say? 2021, 2,300,000 employees. Walmart, one of the largest retailers now in the world, second only to Amazon. And revenue of $2 billion, $599.2 billion in 2021. That's Sam. So what are we saying here? We've got Tom, who had a great opportunity with an expansion team. Could have quit, but kept going. we got Sam, who 44 years old. Some of you guys are about 44 years old. That's when he started. He said, I'm going to not just own this five and dime in Arkansas. I'm going to build a couple more and a couple more. And it worked. 
and he kept building and kept building. And the last guy, though, is Sal. But unfortunately, Sal is known in Scripture as Sal the sluggard. You don't hear much these days about a sluggard, a sloth, but I think it's important in a group of men like this to just think about that at least. Now, I bring greetings from the Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, in two years, 2024, we'll celebrate 100 years. Thank the Lord. And we're focused on scripture still and expository preaching, exposition of scripture. And by God's grace, turning out some great communicators like Chuck Swindoll and David Jeremiah and Tony Evans and people like that, Dennis Rainey. And, but it's because of a commitment to God's word. And that's what I like about NCS. I saw guys this morning bringing in their Bibles. I know you guys do Bible studies. And what a great testimony, these chapters all over the country of NCS. And as a man, a Christian man, you need other men. The most dangerous thing you can be is isolated. Did you hear that? The most dangerous thing, young man, what's your first name? Uh, Dominic. Dominic. The most dangerous thing for you would be to be isolated, to be alone. You need a, other men like this. You'll never forget meetings like this. Look, this guy's 14 years old. He'll say, I remember when dad used to drag me to NCS. <laughs> it was snowing. It was fleeting. These guys showed up. See, he's going to have this legacy. He's going to look back and go, NCS, man. I used to go to those meetings. Because when you're alone, when you're by yourself, you get picked off. You get attacked by the enemy. And we need, the most dangerous man out there is the isolated, unattached male. We need other men. You guys, we need each other in the Christian life. And so... The sluggard, what he does is he takes little initiative. The proverb says that, first of all, he takes little initiative. Thank you. Oh, got it. Thank you. He takes little initiative. He, he sees a project. Look at this as an architecture office. You're an architect. They get these projects. They get these bids. But think if they just sat around here and did nothing. Hey, you know, I did one last year. <laughs> hey, it's kind of cold today. I don't think I want to go out and look at that site today. No, the Bible tells you to take initiative, to be a man of action, to go forward. That's what Jesus does. He goes all the way for us to the cross. He didn't hold back. So we need to be men of initiative, go first, to not be passive, to reject passivity. And second of all, this, oh, right here, he fails to finish tasks. That's another problem with Sal the sluggard in the Proverbs. He starts a project, reluctantly but even when he starts one he doesn't finish it he's got the old project sitting on his desk or he's got the old car sitting out back yeah i was always going to remodel that i was always going to refurbish that and i never did or i'm going to but it's just i can't quite turn the turn the corner on it now we see ourselves in these right i do this a lot you know i want to start a book project but i don't finish it or i want to take initiative and start some program but i don't so i'm not saying that you know, we're striving for perfection. Don't try to be perfect. That's a losing game. Are you taking more initiative this year than you took last year? This is a lifestyle. Are you finishing more tasks now than you used to finish? And talk about finishing tasks and how frustrating it gets. Sometimes we need to stop and consider whether we should start this task or not. Hey, would you be in charge of NCS next year? Hey, go slow there. Pray about it. Talk to guys that know you well. Hey, if I do this, I want to finish it well. So give me a couple more days to pray about it. Let me talk to guys that know me well. And I know you guys would do that. 
So he's also full of excuses all through the Proverbs. There might be a lion outside. What if I go out in the street and get hit by a snowplow? And this is the sloth. This is the sluggard. Takes little initiative, doesn't finish tasks, and he's full of excuses. Tom Landry, first game of the season for 22 seasons. He's 21 and one. He doesn't want excuses. And, and Sam Walton, you know, they probably said, well, I mean, the economy's bad and maybe we shouldn't start a new store. Sam Walton, no, let's move forward. Let's build another store. Let's build another 18 wheel. Let's, let's buy another 18 wheeler and deliver these products. So Proverbs 24, 30 to 34 is where we're going to land. We got just a few minutes. So we're going to listen quickly. Okay. Listen quickly. I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Now, we break this Hebrew poetry apart. You can see it there. It says field and vineyard. Sometimes if you didn't know what a word meant, you could use the other word in the second line. That's the way Hebrew poetry works. We're talking about a field, so it would have been like an agricultural field. I saw a vineyard. Now, what does a field, an agricultural field, what does a vineyard, what does that represent? Grapes. <laughs> yeah. Opportunity. Opportunity. So you see that field and you have one of two reactions. One is a threat. Dude, I'm not taking care of that. That looks like a ton of work. I mean, there's going to be weeds. There could be locusts. There could be storms. Forget that, man. But what does the NCS man say? What an opportunity. You're going to allow me to work that field? You're going to allow me to work that vineyard? What an opportunity. See the difference? The sluggard, the sloth says, nah, nope, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. This morning, it was so cold. It was so sleety. It was so freezing rain that you guys could have slept in. Easy, right? How does that snooze button look this morning? Come on, be honest, right? But where are you guys at? I commend you guys for being here this morning. Look, you're not even in the room you started at. You're not even at the restaurant. Your wife's going to call up to the restaurant and say, is my husband there? <laughs> They're going to go, no, he's not here. You're here. God bless you for being here. I commend you guys for being here. God is using you. He's drawing you closer to himself. He's molding you and shaping you into the man he wants you to become. But some of you guys, if I asked you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you think you'll be up in the conference room of an architecture building studying the Bible at 6.30, 7 a.m.? You go, What? Are you smoking crack? You think 10, 15 years ago, some of you guys, 20 years ago, you think I'm going to be studying the Bible in the snow at 7 a.m.? No. And here you are. Just slowly, imperceptibly, God has been drawing you to himself. He's molding you and shaping you. He wants to use you for these opportunities. So what's the next word? Sluggard. And if you want to see that defined, you look in the second line again and the hebrew word is one lacking sense he doesn't have enough sense to know that man that's a field that's an opportunity so let's look at the second part of the verse it says thorns had come up everywhere the ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins the hebrew poetry is always very picturesque how many of you can picture a field like that you just read it and you can see it can't you you see the weeds you see the thorns you see the ground is covered. And what does that represent? Neglect. Absolutely. Neglect, laziness. Someone else said something? Challenge. A challenge. Second law of thermodynamics. <laughs> yeah. Entropy. The second law of thermodynamics. 
things tend toward disorder. You know, we had to fight to get in this room. We had to fight to get this thing going. Look, this guy's like, oh, I can do it. He's like uh, MacGyver. He's got cords everywhere. He's like, give me five minutes, I'm in. He's like, we're in, we're good. He could have said, what, forget this. It's snowy, I'm sleeping in. No. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. Are you guys ready for this? Here it is. This is worth coming for this morning. This is the word of God. Amen. 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 Settled in heaven once forever. The eternal word of God. Here's what he learned. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, is there anything wrong with those things? No. No. In their place, we all need to sleep. It's good to get seven, eight hours of sleep if you can. It's okay even sometimes in the afternoon, crash for half an hour or something. They say that naps can be very, very productive. But this is just a little, a little, a little, and it starts accumulating. It becomes a lifestyle. A little here, a little there, a little more. And guess what happens? Poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Wow. Also very picturesque. It's like poverty is just waiting for you like a bandit, like an armed man. We have to fight it off. We have to step up and not hit the snooze button. We have to call each other. Who was the guy, somebody, uh, I don't think he was able even to stay. He went to Westminster and he's, he would go pick people up sometimes to come here to these meetings. One guy was at a gas station, a gas attendant. He's like, no, I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll bring you here. That's what we're talking about. Poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. <clears throat> There it is. Again, the word study. What's the bandit mean? If you weren't sure, it's an armed man. And this was a real threat in Israel. They were called highwaymen. They would, they would wait, wait, lay in wait. And somebody would come through on a caravan or something, and they would jump out and steal your goods. That's what poverty is like. It lays in wait for you. It's waiting to just take your goods away from you. And, and is it one big moment? Is it one big crash? Little by little. Drift drip by drip by drip snooze button by snooze button by snooze button it's just subtle that's god's word to us this morning it's subtle so what does this mean work hard get up in the mornings be a leader in your family be a leader in ncs be a leader in your church a servant leader we don't do it perfectly but we take these steps there it is spelled out for you an armed man so we dishonor our creator when we fail to take advantage of God-given opportunities. We dishonor our creator when we fail to take advantage of God-given opportunities. God is laying in front of us all these opportunities, and we have to wisely think through which ones we want to take on, but we do need to take some of them on. I was looking at this in the message. Have you ever heard of the message transliteration, transparaphrase? We call it a paraphrase from Eugene Peterson. Very colorful language. Listen to how he wrote it up. Just the message. One day I walked by the field of an old lazy bones and then passed the vineyard of a slob. They were overgrown with weeds, thick with thistles. All the fences were broken down. I took a long look and I pondered what I saw. The fields preached me a sermon and I listened. A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there, sit back. Take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. 
So are we to laugh at the poor? Are we to make fun of them? Are we to ignore them? No, we need to show kindness to the poor. We need to listen to their story. But I don't think we also need to elevate them or turn them into celebrities or you know, give them money for not working or you know, give them continually free housing, free this, free that. At some point, we will be a broke society. So it's a, it's a balance. We do need, in Dallas, they had an ice storm. And boy, you have an ice storm in Dallas, it is bad, the whole city shuts down. Why? They don't have any equipment. They don't have the road graders. They don't have the plows. The whole town, all the schools are closed. And they said, all the shelters will be open tonight for the homeless. And they said the homeless flooded in, 200,000 homeless people. And I just heard that number and my heart sank. I mean, I was thinking about this talk this morning when I heard that on the radio, 200,000 homeless people. What is going on? We have a lot of young men that are aimless, a lot of young men that don't wanna work. I saw a book called The Four Hour Work Week. Really? The Four Hour Work Week, okay? And a lot of young guys are like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want the four hour work week. And what does this passage say? A little sleep. A little day off here, a little day off there, and pretty soon poverty comes on you like a bandit. The Bible says we need to be working hard, God-given gifts, being creative from the hand of our Creator. So first of all, we dishonor God when we fail to take advantage of God-given opportunities. And moral failure is rarely a blowout. How many guys wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I think this is the year I'm going to get addicted to crack and get a couple of divorces. No, it's often a result of a series of slow leaks. Prof Hendricks, Howard Hendricks used to say, rarely do you see a moral blowout. It's often a series of slow leaks. And that's a warning to us as well this morning as NCS guys. Where am I leaking? Am I being fast and loose with my, with my finances? Am I looking at pornography? Am I being deceptive somewhere in my life? Not a big blowout. I don't know, I'm just gonna rob a bank tomorrow night, but a slow drip, drip, drip. And that's why we need other men like this, man. How are you doing? How are you doing really? You need a man in your life that, that likes you, but is not impressed by you. And you can have that at this group. You can get a guy that can look in your face and say, hey, what's really going on in your life? Amen. What's really going on in your life? Let's cut the fluff. How's your walk? And so that's why I'm excited for you guys here at NCS. Well, I think that's about it, isn't it? Uh, when God given opportunities, what God given opportunities do you need to take advantage of? Think about that. Are there any God given opportunities that you need to take advantage of? And second of all, what slow leaks do you need to eliminate from your life? What slow leaks do you need to eliminate from your life? So we'll kick it around here. Q&A, insights, objections, comments, what do you guys think? Sal the sluggard. It's pretty harsh, isn't it? When we see ourselves in there sometimes, we're like, man, I don't want to be like that. So it's a warning to us, this, this wisdom from the, the Proverbs. It's a warning to us, but it's also an encouragement. Comments, don't be shy. Insights, something you're seeing maybe that somebody next to you doesn't see? Uh, yeah, question. So this, this theme of Christ-centered masculinity has come up in our church. 
Mm -hmm. And you know, a few things that we hit on was that it's kind of cultural. Mm -hmm. you know, Marlboro man is you know rough, rough. Yeah. Tears, no emotion, no love, no compassion. Uh, it's countercultural. Yeah. And that a trend in the church has been to invest in women's ministry. Mm -hmm. They're more spiritual. Mm -hmm. Men are declining in their presence and outspoken voice and dominance in society. This topic doesn't get talked about. Mm -hmm. So um, here you are sharing yep. not only this morning, but tomorrow about it. Like, what are other ways that we should be digging deeper on this topic? It's, yeah, it's a major issue. That's why I'm so glad you guys are here. That's why I'm commending you guys for being here. It's just going to be discipleship. That's God's only plan. Second <clears throat> um, Timothy two two is you know invest yourself in other men who will be able to also be faithful and share with other men. That's the only plan. There's no backup plan. It's discipleship. And Prof Hendricks used to come into the room with us and say, show me your men. Show me your men. And we were always like, uh, okay, Prof, I don't got any. You know, that, he was challenging us. He used to say, if, you're, if you think you're a leader, every once in a while you need to turn around and see if anybody's following you. Because if they're not, you're just out for a walk. <laughs> Right. So give me give me two men that you're working with. Take this. In fact, it sounds self-serving, but take that book right there. Find two guys and go through it. And you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. It's not going to be. Do I wish there were 900 men in here? Yeah. But look how powerful there, there is so much testosterone in this room right here. We could change all of Wyckoff right here. See what I'm saying? I'm not kidding. This thing right here is powerful. You just go out and find one guy, two guys, and that's God's plan, discipleship. It's just hand-to-hand -hand combat. Think of the best retreat you've ever had. Yeah. Again, Paul, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. You, you've left us with a lot to think about, opportunities and threats. And the one thing, I remember once many years ago, uh, standing in the back of a room, a brand new guy came up to me and he said, well, what is this group real all about? And this was at the end of the meeting. He was like 20 after eight. And I said, half the, look around. I said, half the guys are still in a room. They're still talking. There's two or three prayer huddles going around. And we're doing life together. So maybe we haven't answered all the questions you have together. But brothers, let's reach out to one another. For those that are in need, let's do that. Let's, let's just be that to each other. So again, thank you. And if I just give one some other small plug for an old retired guy for eight years now. I hate that word retired because I did retire from life. I retired from getting a paycheck from my employer. I miss it. But on the other hand, um, it's, an, it's enabled me to spend more time with guys like you in, in other places. So it's just a great thing. And we should, um, as you're saying, whatever wisdom we have, if we can share it, let's please do that. One of the things I, I do, just a little plug for Dallas Theological Seminary. If you go to dts.edu, they offer a lot of free online courses. It's another way to be God, another way to be God fed. I'm taking a course right now through them. It's what is theology. So look that up and uh, yeah. maybe that's just one more thing to enhance your own daily life. Why don't we close in prayer? Dear Father God, we are just so blessed to know that you are our God, a big God, a creator of all. And Lord, even on this day, as, as George prayed earlier, while there's, while there's war elsewhere in this world, Lord, you are a God of peace. We pray for protection over all of those that are now in the midst of this chaos. And Lord, in our own way, there could be chaos in our lives. 
We ask you to cleanse us of that, of anything that's an obstacle that we're putting before you. May you be first in our life. And then, Lord, may we reach out to our families, our communities, our brothers, and may we tell them the good news, the good news, Lord, that you, Jesus Christ, were born, died, and resurrected again, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for all that made that possible, for being resilient and flexible. Lord, we're grateful for the brothers that are here, for those that are on Zoom. And Lord, until we meet again, we just praise you and glorify you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. By the way, the weather for next Friday is 40 degrees and sunny. <laughs> See you then.